Blog Hello, Talk everyone, Radio. and we are broadcasting live from... We are broadcasting live from New York, and my co-host will be on soon, uh, calling in from Alaska. We have been all over the world, literally. Alaska have people in from South Africa. We've broadcasted live from France. We've broadcasted live from London when we had parents' kids' music. Um, I'm going to start off the show as we await for our illustrious host, Jay Logan, uh, with a bit of an interesting topic today. Uh, for those of our audience members who may not be aware, um, I lost my mother on the 28th of May and um, buried her uh, recently, um, last week in North Carolina. Yes, it took a while. Uh, that's because we had a lot to deal with in the state of New York. Uh, and um, But I just want to share with you um, from a business perspective, and this is for young people and adults, it, it, it shares with you the most important reason why you have to be in communication. But before I go on, we have to bring on Jay Logan. Mr. Logan, how are you? I've just shared with our audience you're in Alaska. Yeah, I'm, I'm up here in Alaska, and it's believe it or not, it's, it's very sunny, and the sun never goes down. It's the land of the midnight sun. <laughs> wow. It's a it's a very extraordinary, you know, because you don't know, uh, Gail. I don't know, like if it's like one it's one a.m. in the morning and the sun is still up, and it's very confusing because it's hard to sleep because you got the sun up, and you can go outside at night in the day. So, it's incredible to me because it's throwing my whole metabolism. It's kind of like a culture kind of uh, shock, you know. It's just where I don't know where. Wait a minute. Are, are you saying it's one a.m. or one p.m.? I'm saying one a.m. And the sun is out. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's 1 a.m. in the morning right now? Well, no, not right now, but basically when it is 1 a.m. or 12 a.m., the sun is out, blazing. It's like daytime. Wow. Well, is it true that Alaska for half the year has all uh, all daylight and another half the year it's all nighttime? I think, though, yeah, the further you go up north in Alaska, it turns to where that, that happens. Uh, in Anchorage, it's kind of like, yeah, you get three hours here, three hours of night, and, you know, 21, 22 hours of, you know, <laughs> of yeah, daylight. And I understand the other part of the year is 22 hours of nighttime. Yeah, it's, 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 it is. It's, uh, it's incredible. And then, you know, the city is in the wilderness, so they, every now and then you have like a black bear or a brown bear or a moose or a wolf or a deer. Or, and they come into the city looking for food is rather dangerous. That's, um, that's, that's how, actually, that's kind of hilarious. Well, you know, Jay, I wanted to share, I was sharing with our audience before you came on. We've done the last two shows with no guests. We will be resuming with our guests next week. And we have some special guests for you. Uh, I was talking with them about the fact that I lost my mother recently, and I started to get into that the fact that what I was about to share was for young and older people. Sometimes we focus on entrepreneurs or youth in education and adults. But today, all of our messages from Jay and I will be really around a pl- application to anyone at any age, except if you're two or three years old, you get a pass. <laughs> but, you know, um, and, and what I was going to share, Jay, you know, like you are in Alaska doing, you know, taking care of a business with one of your companies. It's so interesting, you know, um, as, I, as you know, I've lost my mother um, last month and we've just recently buried her last 
week a lot of people are like, well, why did it take so long to bury her? Because they buried her in another state and, you know, relatives and the way New York uh, goes when there's a person who they, um, there's a person who they cannot uh, actually find with that person when they pass away. So they, they do they do things a certain way. So one of the things I wanted to share was that during that time, um, I, of course, had clients, and my partner and I had a few clients, and one of those clients, we, you know, like in the midst of dealing with my mom and, and taking care of those things, I was not in the kind of communication that warranted, you know. I just kind of dropped everything when it came to my mother at that time. And, you know, what I've learned out of that, I went and reestablished contact with that client. And what I learned, you know, this is really hard to admit, especially over the air, but I think it could benefit a lot of people. And just not just also with reference to clients, but also reference to people in general. You know, I want to say to everyone, when you have a mother or a father passing or a sibling, it's very hard to be in communication. But when you're doing business with someone, if it's going to affect their business, they need to know. And what I didn't realize is that it would affect it. I had been in contact, but not the kind of communication that I should have been in. And, you know, I, there was a loss there, a loss of a listening for me as a person and what, you know, what they knew that I could do, okay? And sometimes you just, you know, you never realize either. And the other thing I want to say to also other people who have high expectations of other people, we should never place expectations on people because some things have happened to you in the past. So let's say, for instance, um, you, you have a client or you have a project due for school or you're at your job and while you're in a job, you have a project that you're working on. The person that you are reporting to may have some kind of high expectations of you, okay? Because maybe the people that they've hired in the past didn't do the job that they were supposed to. And so they're like, oh, this is my only chance. But when you say it's your only chance, it puts more pressure on the other person. So if that person makes a mistake, it doesn't show up right, and it appears like, oh, it's the same old thing, you know, as this other person. And I'm speaking to this because in this situation, I was not, I, I didn't give enough communication about what was going on with my mom. I just said it was a pressing need. They knew about my mother, but it was a pressing need. But there was also a background of that they had, you know, I guess been screwed around in the past. And so what I'm sharing here is that when, as with anybody, when two people are having communication with one another and one has a lot of, expectation because things have not worked out with other people in the past, and the other person has a breakdown. It can collapse all at one time together. So the other person who has had the issues in the back in the, with the breakdowns with other people in the past, now they're putting that all on that one person. The person who's had a breakdown doesn't have the space to communicate that. And that can be really, you know, really difficult in a hard situation. And I just want to say if you ever find yourself coming up with that kind of situation, what you want to do is definitely be in communication, have an understanding, uh, go and talk to that person about around re-establishing the integrity, the contact, and everything. That doesn't say it's always going to work out. But at least if you take that forward stance to do that, you have restored the integrity for that with you and that person. 
And so that's something I wanted to share importantly today because, you know, for me personally, it was two losses. I lost something that I really wanted to work on. Yes, there is a chance that, you know, we will definitely still continue to work together or it may not happen. But what happens is it's a double loss. You, you lose the person most precious to you in your life. And then you lose the, the, the listening or the respect that was there may be diminished some because that person needed you. But I also want to say that the person that needs you has to also understand whatever's happened in the past has nothing to do with that current person in front of them. So it's just a lesson on all ends to learn. And, and the other last thing I want to say is, you know, we have to remember that business is people, okay? And I've been very lucky to have people actually wait on me until I was free to do something. And um, that, that's a blessing. I don't take that lightly. So, you know, I guess it's kind of hard, and it's not even a shot to the ego, but it's kind of hard when you experience something the other way around. So that's, that's one of my shares for today, Jay. Anything you want to say about that? But I wanted to ask, is there any possible way you could spot these red flags coming up when you're dealing with a person that's kind of going to the left on the business? Is there something that, that our audience could look for that you might can share? That, you know, how would you know if you're, you know, the person that you're working with is kind of going, you know, radically to the left and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to do something positive? Is there any red flags you could look for to be able to spot these well, things? Like, like, I said, like I said, a red flag can be just like I said, you know, that person, you could have gone through, that person could have had such bad experiences with all the people that they had hired. And that's part of being an entrepreneur too, Jay. You're going to run into the best of examples. We almost remember it's human nature to judge. There's a gentleman that we had on in the past. His name is Timothy Marie from South Africa. He actually is an American person living in South Africa. And he wrote a book called Personavate, which I actually just read recently. And, you know, I used to think, oh, why, can, why do people judge? But he said, no, this book is about reestablishing your brand as a person, not your marketing brand, you as a person. And one of the things he said is that allow people to have their judgments. Don't even try to take it or force it or anything. It might mean that you have to prove yourself more, you know. But that's okay because you'll learn from that. And so with, with that said, there is going to be judgment. Don't try to get away from the judgment. I really learned that from that book, and I read a lot, but I learned that. Don't try to get around it. Don't try to convince them away from how they feel. Let the person have their thoughts. Now, in terms of a red flag, I guess my red flag would have been that this person really, you know, had, had really had people that took advantage of their good nature, Okay. And so here I come, and then here comes my mother, you know, being sick. And, you know, I I wasn't there for my mother in the way I felt I could have been. Business was always important. And I couldn't, you know, at the end stages, I couldn't just let it be like that. And I still feel that I didn't go to see her enough. I really do feel that way. So in some ways, I had that that I was dealing with. And the other person really had what they needed to get done business-wise. So both of them were equally important. But what I, what I thought about today is what if, you could be 21 and get hit by a car and you're doing business for someone. That person is going to replace you. So I think the first thing to remember is that everyone is replaceable, okay? 
Number two, um, to, to, to have an opportunity to see what the person's needs are so that if during that time you're going to be gone, you can set that person up powerfully to win. Now, but another red flag can be, if you want to, you know, you the, the most important, you know, let me say all this, so this, Jay. We have to be careful that when we have negative experiences, we don't bring that to the next person. It's almost like dragging a chair in the back of you with all the negative experiences and saying, hello, John, or hello, Susan, I, I've got all this baggage with me. You're just like these people. And then guess what? Your actions come from how you think. So you're going to begin to interact with that person like the people who you dealt with that weren't, weren't good workers. So now that person ends up not being a good worker because you're dealing with them as though they were the same as the people that, you know, did not do you right business-wise, didn't take care of the work that was to be done, or, you know, just didn't work appropriately or didn't finish a project. You know what I mean? So uh-huh. it's life. Sometimes no matter how much you put a good, your best foot forward, you're going to run into roadblocks. And when you're an entrepreneur, it's a lot. It's a little harder. That's why it takes something to be an entrepreneur, because when you're when you're in a Fortune 500 company or working for a corporation of any kind, the one thing about it is you get your paycheck every week, and you only have to deal with your colleagues at work. And even if it's an economy, you can leave depending on your situation and find another job. When you're an entrepreneur, everything you do affects you, and you do have to be careful who you interact with to some degree. And unfortunately, you get jaded because when you come across certain people, we te- you know, we're all human beings. We tend to judge them by the last person that we dealt with, not realizing there's a brand new person standing in front of me or that person. So that's why I said it, it, it kind of canceled each other out in the situation that I'm speaking to right now. And that is that here, here it is. My mom was sick, and she was where she was. And this is the person that accompanied that needed to be run. And I made a snap decision that in that moment, I had to really stop some things and take care of my mother's uh, situation because she had passed away. So it, you know, and then to be, and then to go back. One thing I did do, though, and this is what I would say to anyone: if you've made a mistake, go back. Most people don't go back; they'll avoid it. They'll keep running away. I went back and honored that relationship and honored that person and said, look, I made a mistake here. I'd like to continue on. Now, when you do that and when the moment you make mistakes, you, you do give up the listening that that person had of you. You do give that up, and you have to reestablish that. That's just part of the process. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. It does. You're not you're not going to always know, I guess, is what I'm saying, Jay. And if you do see a red flag, look at the red flag. Just sit down and look at it and not from your past feeling because there's also something to be said, what you just said about wisdom. When you run into one situation you see the same thing coming up again, you move away from it. But you want to make sure it's the same thing coming up again and not your, your perception of it because – you could be making a, a one person in front of you who's a great person and work well with you wrong for someone else's issues. So I would just say take a look at it, and if you're not sure, then maybe the best thing to do is just to leave it alone. That's very interesting. Yeah. 
I guess we should get a little lighter and get on to the next subject, right? <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, we'll move to the next subject. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, moving to something totally different, I guess, but it does have something to do with maybe people prejudging, making mockery out of OS systems. Talk a little about Windows 8 and the new Windows 8 Metro, metro tile interface. Now, a lot of my friends, you know, I love the Mac, you know, but a lot of my friends are Windows Windows users, and a lot of people, Mac people, talk terrible about the Windows OS systems, like when Vista came out, or uh, when um, uh, it was another version of Windows I can't think right now came out. People really, really, really didn't like what Microsoft did. So now a lot of people are making mockeries out of Windows 8, but Windows 8 is really for touch devices. And as we all know, or if we don't know, everything is going to become a, eventually everything is going to be a touch device. And that's where we're going with this new technology. Everybody's, all the hardware is going to be touch devices. So what I wanted to say is now Windows 8 makes a lot of sense because they came out with a new thing called the Surface. And I'm, very, I'm, I'm so happy about Microsoft's Surface announcement. And basically it's their version of the iPad. And basically it's using this new interface new touch interface, and Windows 8, it's, uh, it's going to use this interface, and it's radically different than uh, traditional Windows desktops that we've been used to, because this is a touch interface. So I want uh, everybody to know that this is coming out, and I think you guys are going to finally enjoy uh, this Microsoft Windows 8 Metro software. And um, I'm very excited about it, Gil, because I'm thinking about... I know it sounds crazy. I'm thinking about buying one of these surface things and checking it out and then comparing it to the iPad and with the difference of once it comes out this fourth quarter. So we'll be able to look at both of these things and see the differences between the iPad and the surface pad. And I do know the surface pad comes with its own rubber keyboard. So, you know, on the iPad, you, know, you type everything on the screen, on the touch screen, but uh, they, the surface comes out with the, also a rubber keypad where you can type in and connect it. And it's more of like a laptop than the iPad is. But they're both touch devices. So beware everyone of this new uh, Windows 8 Metro software. Just know that it's totally different than the desktop software. And it's a great, great OS that's coming out from Microsoft. Wow, that, that sounds pretty, pretty cool. Well, guess what I want to share about? I hope I haven't talked to the death yet. Um, Jay, and hopefully not our audience as well. So, you know, this is a very interesting thing I wanted to share with some people about. Um, so Brooks Brothers, as we know, Brooks Brothers is the suit for men and women. And for our young people who are in high school, you know, adults in college, and even our adults, it's a great place to go and invest in one or two suits for work. Whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a creative professional, whatever, you'll have that suit forever. If you gain weight, kind of in trouble. But on um, social media marketing, Brooks Brothers is like an aloof bond, you know, vivant, wearing a cool Sears Sucker sports jacket on a humid summer day. So the brand is like 194 years old, and it isn't chasing friends and followers on social networks. Instead, Brooks Brothers plays it cool, it's investing in tools, and testing to improve the online shopping experience for customers and prospects and increase sales. You know, and you have to also check out something. Considering a recent test um, on men's shirt, the retailer which uses um, a certain type of rating software, decides to sort items on the product page based on customer reviews. Items with five stars, the highest rating appeared on the top. 
Now, the result was a 9% lift in conversions directly attributable to that change. So what am I saying? They're looking at doing it in a different way. And the other thing I should also say is people who push brothers uh, to, uh, let's say, Paris, that's also over in London, and let's say, uh, you know, Dolce and Gabbana and all of that, those, you will not have, see those in heavy social media. Why? Because it's wealth. And when you are wealthy, they live completely different from the way middle class lives. If you're at the higher end of middle class, you're on your way of going into that level of spending. Now, that doesn't say remove it from that people who are in regular middle class cannot afford it, but it's just saying that these brands already know that there's a certain select group of people that they're marketing to. And they're not marketing to the mass audience, okay? So they don't feel a need to go and get on social media and do all kinds of things like that. And so I just, you know, wanted to talk about them because they're, they've been around for 194 years and they're still doing well. And so there's something to be said about longevity. There's something to be said about when you're wealthy, there's a quiet marketing that's done that I think that we can learn from. And that marketing is more word of mouth than anything because, again, you live differently when you're dealing with wealth. So that's just a little something that I just wanted to share. Wow, that's that's good to good to know that information. On, a, on, a, on another note, um city of Baltimore or the University of Baltimore launches a cyber discovery high school, uh, cyber discovery for high school students. And basically what they're going to do, they're making a camp to teach kids about cyber uh, security. Um, the Baltimore University of Baltimore launches a cyber discovery camp for high school students and teachers. Um, most people think uh, teenagers know everything about technology, but you know, recent study shows that most teens do not know about cyber security and how to protect themselves and others online. Now, this camp focuses on cyber education. Um, cyber discovery is a high school um, teacher's professional development model first developed in Louisiana, at Louisiana Tech University. Um, so basically what they're going to do, Gail, is basically taking like four or five high schools and from that area, and they're going to make different teams in the different high schools. And the, uh, the teams will uh, get together, and they'll learn how to uh, – write programs, um, discuss problem-solving, um, and uh, make things that could protect cyber bullies uh, from coming in and destroying your website or things that have you. So this camp ends this, this uh, Sunday, and it's kind of like uh, the Baltimore University College is giving back to the community. It ends Sunday, and then they also have whoever wins gets an award, and they will learn how to protect themselves from cyber cyber bandits and knowing how to use cybersecurity. I just think it's great that some of these colleges are giving back to the high schools because that's what we need. We need stuff like that to teach the kids uh, other things other than, you know, getting on the Internet, Twitter, nothing against Facebook. But, you know, here you have a college teaching them how to combat cyberbullying and learning about cybersecurity. So this is a great thing that the Baltimore City College uh, it's doing in Baltimore, and uh, it's wonderful for the kids in the high schools. Okay, well, I want to see kind of, um, 
this is what you said, this is great for bullying, if I heard you correctly. And, you know, one of the things that is um, of interest is that we'll be talking about next week is the Born This Way Foundation, which deals with bullying. And so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing that I wanted to talk with uh, folks about is, you know, there is so much, so everyone knows everything that's going on about social media today, everything. Everything is, you know, how do we do this, how do we do that, and, and so forth. So, um, you know, I wanted to talk about it a little bit differently, you know. And how I wanted to talk about it is, do we think that social media is for business, for people to connect with each other? Is it appropriate for kids? There are young kids now getting onto Twitter who are only 12 and 10 years old. I had an 11-year-old told yesterday, teach me how he hacks iPhones, iPads, and Android phones. I mean, the kid is good. I mean, and, and he also programs in PHP. Now, I'm having a conversation with an 11-year-old kid on the level that I would of some of my peers from India, the U.S., um, Africa, Japan, China, and I'm sitting here like in disbelief that I'm having that conversation with an 11-year-old. So I guess what I want to put out to the audience for next week is are we going to have to streamline our social media? All right. Are we going to have to streamline what our kids have access to? Or do we leave it wide open for them to continue on in the direction that they're going with social media and technology? And or are we or do we give them a blend of both? You know, the traditional ways and technology. For me I say a blend of both. Hmm. Um, um I'm <clears throat> my suggestion is both because we're moving into a new uh era of technology. And you're going to have to stay up with the Joneses or our country and Americans will be left behind because pretty much uh, the kids need to stay up with the technology. They, I mean, I'm not saying being hackers, but I think some of the kids need to need to have some of these in the lower school uh, uh, for us even fifth, sixth, and fourth grade because everything is going to become more technology-based. And for our children to get ahead, they're going to have to stay ahead. And basically, if you just look at the stuff on TV and you look at the things on the Internet, they're going to have to keep up because everything is becoming pretty much button pushers, um, touchscreen pushers. So in other, in, in, uh, in other words, if they don't stay up, they're going to get left behind. So we can't guard them, but we do have to teach them the do's and the don'ts. Uh, that's where I stand. Um, technology needs to be embraced. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you ever had this uh, – when you have, like, your grandmother, she lives in a different area, and she said, wow, when, when we were young, we didn't get to do none of that stuff. I wouldn't have you do those things. But it's a double-edged sword because we live in a different era, and sometimes people don't want to accept change and embrace change. Um, I believe that you got to move with the times, and uh, you got to, you got to let your children grow. Um, and if not, they're more, I think they're in more danger, Gail, if they get left behind and the technology leaves them and they don't learn the ins and outs in the new technology, I think they're in more danger than if you let them learn. But you do need a guard and you do need somebody there to be able to show them the way. So 
that's where I stand on that. Got it. I got it. Well, my next one, Jay, is uh, something that's you know kind of interesting. So it's about you two, okay? Mm-hmm. So how many, how many of us get on YouTube every week looking for the latest videos that are funny? Okay, I know that I'm learning again from the kids <laughs> about doing this, and some of the things are really hysterical. So I had to share about this one. There is a YouTube video; it's been out for quite a while, but there's one where the guy goes up to the um, to order his, his food, and he keeps saying, you know, he keeps telling her what he wants, but he's rapping about it. And so the, the girl says, "What do you want? What do you want?" And he keeps rapping about it. So finally, he comes around to where she is. And uh, it's just interesting that he keeps rapping about it. And it's a viral video. And I said, hmm, these are the funny things that go viral, okay? And the things that we mean to go viral don't go viral. So (laughs) it made me say, hmm, how do we get things to go viral, not just for the sake of going viral, viral, but these are things that really might be making a difference or things that are funny. The other cool thing is, when we make funny videos that laugh at a particular situation in life, you know, like, oh, your first kiss, you know what I mean? And you fall on the floor, all right? Or, mm-hmm. uh, I can't even think of it anymore, but, you know, that kind of thing. So it's just, it's just really funny. And then I have a, another funny one, Jay, and this will be my last one for the day, okay? It's like, do you think that couples need their own apps? Now, if you want to find out about this, it's on Mashable.com. But um, this this week, a pair of uh, ex-Googlers launched a competing iOS and Android couples app called Avocado. And it has a similar shared private chat room, photo gallery, and to-do list, but omits the shared activities in favor of a more practical focus. So its married <laughs> founders argue that an exclusive place for couples communication it's worth the app's one ninety nine price tag. Now, for me, I think this is good because a lot of couples can be in the same room, in their bedroom, both on their Apple, both on their iPads, both on their Android, and just sitting there but not talking to each other. So for me, I think this is the way that I guess they can talk to each other if it gets that bad. So, you know, and they also said, we also said apps like Avocado and Pair remove the need to dig through a crowded inbox to locate correspondence from your significant other. Tandem provide a list for shared life and avoid communication failures. I, you know, I'm sorry, I don't see the need for this. You know, if my <laughs> husband or my wife is sitting right next to me, all you need to do is turn around and talk to me. I do not need to talk to you through a device. I had to bring that up. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, how does that work? Uh, uh, do you type in, do we need to go to the movies through the device, or do we need to go, uh, I mean, exactly. the guys, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, is this where it's going? Okay, I push the screen, I send you a kiss. I mean, really, come on now. <laughs> Got to keep a log so you can tell them later. See how many times I kissed you? You don't even pay attention anymore. I kissed the screen 20 times today, and you didn't even kiss the screen back. And I got well, a log you on my... <laughs> Exactly. I tell you, there will be no more kids made, that's for sure. Well, yeah, at least not that way. Yeah, 
that's a good yeah, that's good protection there. You know, everything is cyber. <laughs> oh yeah, it I mean, sure is. Could you, how do you get an argument? How do you get an argument? That would be helpful argument. That would be helpful argument. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. Well, maybe yes. technology is doing a little bit too much. Maybe I'll take that back when I said earlier. <laughs> well, you know, Jay, I know we both love technology, but you have to allow kids to learn things to use their brain. Technology can eat up your brain. I have to share this before we go. I know I've talked a lot today, but, hey, I, I'm I'm on a run here. No, um, okay. I, I took a break from technology, you know, um, even prior to my mom passing away, I took a break because my mind was and my head was just being eaten up by it, okay? And then I got back to it, and it was so addictive. Oh, my God. It was, like, so addictive. You just find yourself right back on the latest app. How can I do this? How can I do that? You know, all that stuff. And the reason I took a break is because there's so much beyond life. It will keep you in a vacuum, you know? There's so much other things to life. So with that said, I know you have a special report for us about Ms. Michelle, Michelle Obama. Yes, I do. Uh, it was a spectacle occurred when, you know, Kelly Ripper, you know, Regis and Kelly Ripper, asked her group of guests, the Kelly family YMCA super skippers, to teach Ms. Obama, guess what, how to double dutch. And to everyone's surprise, Mrs. O turned out to be an expert double dutcher already, and she showed the group up, and she received a real big round of applause from the audience, and the first lady showed that she's very athletic, and uh, and that shouldn't surprise anyone, you know, after all, you got to think, her husband plays basketball, and he proves that he has skills and knowledge of sports, so, you know, in other words, she, uh, she could double dutch, you know, I don't know if that's the first time the first lady has double dutch. Uh, but uh, our first lady, she can double dutch, and she did a great job. <laughs> That's funny, but she did a great job. But one one thing I do want to say is um, she did double dutch, but she's been double dutching for a while. So if I were them, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> I would not have done that. I mean, you know, she has been doing this with kids for a while, and she's a great dancer. So, you know, I think that we have to learn to appreciate who's in the White House because they're kind of hip, you know. They're kind of hip. They're yeah. really a hip couple. They're not that old, funny, no offense to the, the Bushes and the Reagans and the Carters and the Clintons, but they're hip, you know. So they're a young couple, and we have to expect they're going to be a little on the hip side, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, right. That right. is yeah. very, very, very cool. Very cool. Very cool. I wonder, I, wonder, I, wonder, mm-hmm. I wonder if George Washington, what he would think about that now, you know, the First Lady Double Dutching. I was just wondering if we could go back to hear, if we could hear George Washington's thoughts or Abraham Lincoln's thoughts. What would he, I mean, they'd probably be in shock. <laughs> I mean, because you, yeah, you, you think of the White House as, you know, the White House, you know, diplomatic, very stern, and, you know, they have, they have made it more so we can accept them as people. And not as big stars, or we, you know, we can accept now. We can accept the president and the first lady now. It's more like they're more closer to the public now. So <laughs> double dutching. <laughs> Interesting. Well, you know, I would say to you, um, it's interesting though. 
Now, can you, I was wondering, I was wondering, I can not only double dutch, wait a minute, don't let the people on this radio think that we're old because we're not old. I can still double dutch, I can still jump rope, and I still run. Excuse me, sir, people in their 30s and 20s still run. Okay, okay, I was just checking in. You know what's coming, that's what I was getting to, you know. But I, I don't know if our audience knows, but I was getting over to Gail to see about that double dutching. Well, you know, we're doing a short show today. Any more news, Janet, before we go on out? Um, uh, my last bit of news is about um, one of the Beatles. Um, the drummer, Ringo, uh, was uh, basically teaching uh, Matt Lauer how to play drums. <laughs> And I thought it was like Matt, Matt Lauer was just totally afraid. He was just he's like, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. But what's good about Ringo, Ringo teaches kids and children all over the world how to play drums. And he said that's something he's he's going to be 71 and a half. And he's just telling everyone that he enjoys teaching kids how to play drums. He said a lot of musicians used to really, really do him in and used to say he was a weak drummer, he couldn't play that good, he lucked up by getting in the Beatles. But he said, just let that bother him because basically he knows he can play. And he said, with, with, with dear to his heart, he goes on this all-star tour every year. He's going on it this summer again, and he's 71 and a half, which is amazing. He's still playing drums, and he enjoys teaching children how to play drums. So I just wanted to share that. Well, that's pretty cool. And with that said, Alaska, we will have pictures of Alaska on our website. Mr. Jay is going to send us some over. And we're out. Have a good weekend. We'll see you next week. Same that time, same that channel, everyone. Jay, enjoy Alaska and see everyone later. See you later.